episode one. Oh, so excited to get into this. Um, it's a doozy for sure. Oh, such a doozy. I'm so excited. So this podcast is going to be a little bit different from what Top Shelfers normally produces. Um, for most of you that comment, unfortunately, we don't have the comment screaming up because we need our information as well. Yeah. But um, wait till the end of the episode. We have a lot of cool new things coming our way, so that'll be a lot more fun. Trust me. Just wait till the end. But today... Starting our first ever episode, who are we going to talk about? Wes? Oh, man. So, probably one of the most terrifying people just that's ever existed in my eyes. Honestly, learning about him, I would put him as, like, top five scariest human beings Even just ever. thinking about it, I'm getting the chills because, yeah. like, it's so... You know, we, we hear things in the media, right, of just awful things going on and yeah. terrifying things and then you read stuff like this and you're, and like, you're like oh okay. no this is the cesspool you're like this is it so um the individual for our first topic on this uh pilot episode is john wayne gacy <sighs> which i'm not gonna lie when i first heard about it i was like oh yeah killer clown scary yep. learning about him i was like i understand now it takes a whole different dive because yeah, everyone knows. He's the killer clown. He used to perform. Yeah. That is just like... That's little... To be legit. honest, the clown stuff isn't even bad. No. <laughs> the clown stuff is a highlight. Yeah. It's only just like what makes him stand out a little bit more. Yeah. Besides, you know... Jeffrey Dahmer eats people. John Wayne Gacy's a clown. Like, yeah. But there's so much more. So to give you a brief description of who John Wayne Gacy is and why he's famous, he's a convicted serial killer and sex offender who was charged for the murder of 33 young men and boys. Um, the thing is, though, is that wasn't just the only reach of his crimes. Mm -hmm. There's theories that go as far as saying that maybe even 2,000 young men have been impacted by his, his sexual yeah. assault. In some way or form, yeah. But as far as murders go, he was charged with killing 33 men in the Illinois um, metro or Chicago area yeah. and Waterloo, different things like that. Um, one of the most profound things when it comes to John Wayne Gacy um, that the media talks about is his clown career. Um, yeah. And, you know, we kind of joking about it earlier. Mm -hmm. What he was to his community was an individual who was pretty great. Like he, like face value, John Wayne Gacy was an individual who not only was very successful mm -hmm. but did a lot of things for his community and the th yeah. the thing that puts him in the public eye as far as you know true crime and serial killers go is his clown persona um he had two i guess pseudo names that he went by it was pogo yeah. the clown and patches the clown mostly pogo is what he's known for yeah but he had two and he basically what that means is he would go to charity events children's hospitals and different things like that and literally just do clown mm -hmm. work yeah. and i believe he was registered as a as a like a legit clown like a legit clown and mm -hmm. we're talking just go and make kids happy yeah uh which you'll find out is terrifying now yeah the reason they even covered this well kind of covered it but used it in the popular show american horror story if you guys have watched that um, Freak Show. Freak Season Show. Five? Yeah. Four? Twisty the Clown and Freak Show was yeah. kind of, it wasn't John Wayne Gacy, Gacy off, obviously, but I think that's where they got their inspiration for him. Definitely 
his, I think also, too, that's kind of the start of Fear of Clowns. Yeah. Was him. Was, I think that, I don't know if it's, like, fully correlated, but I would not be surprised if a majority of the reason why clowns are now so frightening is because of John Wayne Gacy. Well, think of being a young kid in, like, the 70s, and you're hearing all the news talk yeah. about this killer clown. And then you have a clown at your birthday party, you're like, Mom, you this sh- wasn't a good idea. <laughs> are you sure about that? All right. And that brings me to what every podcast lasts, a tasteless joke. All right, what's, what did one little boy in the basement say to the other little boy in the basement? What? I don't know about you, but that clown wasn't funny. <laughs> it's, it's so much better knowing that this is no life. <laughs> I apologize in advance. I know it's tasteless, but you gotta laugh. That's fucking funny. You gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so more on John Wayne Gacy. We're this time with the podcast, just so you guys know, we're going to do kind of more of an overall of who he is, mm. then his crimes, capturing, trial, then like kind of ideas and some fun facts for you. The, the one thing to keep in mind is stuff like this has hours and hours and hours oh, of content. Like we, so much. We could literally sit here and talk about John Wayne Gacy for the next week. So How easily. We... We want to compile all the information that is important and prevalent to who he is and why he became what he is to give that to you so you can kind of get a better idea. Yeah. So that way, because, like, the more you learn about him, and I guess, like, every, like, killer, abductor, whatever, you kind of, it doesn't, it's not that, like, it makes sense, but you're like, okay, like, I can see kind of where things might go awry, but I think most people are inherently going to be evil if they're going to be evil. But, so, John Wayne Gacy, born March 17th, 1945 in Chicago, Illinois. He had, I don't, didn't get his parents' name, I don't think it really matters, but he was a middle child, so he had a younger sister and an older sister. He was the middle child, and when he was born, he was actually born with a heart defect, an enlarged heart. So, basically, from when he was born... And then with that enlarged heart, his dad disliked him. He thought of him as a weak child, and, like, especially with him being born that way. He was like, wow, I gave birth to a weak baby. But with that in mind, he was like, this is my first son. I need to give him a masculine name. So, of course, who are you going to call it after? The most masculine man in the world? John Wayne. Right. So that's where he gets his name from is because his dad wanted to have him, like, such a masculine name because he wanted to have a masculine son. Right. Which... Kind of a little bit later, we'll talk more about, like, his father in a sense of, like, he was just crazy, man. But, so, his father was an alcoholic. Um, he beat all of them. He beat his mom the most, obviously. But John got a brunt of it because he was not the son he wanted most of the time. But, so, his dad beat all the kids, everybody, and... To the point where John got so used to it that, like, his sister in interviews, it was like, it was scary because he would just take it. He never cried. Wow. He never cried when his dad hit him. Never gave him the satisfaction, which is crazy. But, so his dad also, too. So, John Gacy also, like, with his enlarged heart, he couldn't be physically active. So, he couldn't do sports. He was in the Boy Scouts, but obviously he had restrictions. Right. So, his dad always thought of him, like, as gay and, like, was like, you're, call him all totally race like bad things like one of them i was just like i don't even want to say on the podcast because right. like, i don't that he would just 
belittle him and since he wasn't a man and he would help his mom a lot a lot around the house because he can't play outside with kids and I think that kind of affected his social life as in a, like a child as well but something really f- interesting was when he was six years old he actually would steal his mom's underwear mm. and hide it under the crawl space in their house so because when with John Wayne Gracie growing up his dad had like the garage or the basement he had the basement and no one can go in and that kind of where you see where he had like his dad had the garage no one went in it if you if you keep out like if their dad found out you went in it you better just leave home right it's that kind of scary so I think that's where John Wayne Gacy kind of got his privacy because he was also he was that way with his room like John Wayne Gacy didn't like anyone in this room and when his mom actually like I couldn't tell if this was fact or not but like his mom found his the underwear and like to the point where she was like trying to make a point like made him wear the underwear it was like why, why do you have it? it? Yeah. And so, and even like his, one of his sisters found in his room, like bags of lady underwear in the closet at like, even when he was 13. So like, it was kind of like a fetish of his, but not that that fetish leads to being a serial killer. I just think it's really weird. Yeah. And it's very interesting. Cause, um, so yeah, so he, um, so as a child, he didn't really do much. And then at the age of 11, he got a head, head injury and that's where a lot of like psychologists likes to um they do a lot of research on seeing if head injuries lead to serial killers being this way there's no definite answer that i know of off the top of my head but with that injury as well he would have blackouts so he was a really good student when he was there and actually he was a kiss ass he ironically loved authority he would literally be a hall mat, like the hall monitors, like or the truancy monitors. Right, right. He would help them catch fuckers <laughs> to the point. So I think he was like, he was, um, so he didn't really like get along with tons of people in school, but he didn't have like a bad experience at school. I mean, definitely being a narc didn't help him. No. But he wasn't in school a lot because he had all these head injuries and he would just straight up like have to be in the hospital for months and that just hit his dad's anger towards him of like calling him like a sissy and like the f word and like calling him gay and like oh, what are you a homosexual and like belittling him so much and then obviously when john got older he realized i am but he would never let his father find out he would he'd rather die right but so as like a child he was like pretty decent like nothing crazy just he had the enlarged heart so he didn't really have like the social outlets of having to play with kids and like so he was home more and so it just got a beat more and then um what was really interesting with like him when we was 17 he actually started working for like the city council yeah and or uh, not really the city council but he worked with like the authorities and he would be kind of like helpier like a helper in the first responders and so John Wayne Gacy's dad bought him a car and like that was also like another power he could have over Gacy because he would just take away the car right give him the car take away the car give him the car take away the car to the point where he needed to leave for like an event or something to like help out and volunteer because we're like he was really into volunteering and being like helpful to his community which obviously he does later but um this last time his dad like took out, I don't remember what it is, but it's like part of the car. It, anyways, it wouldn't start. And then randomly he put it back in and John's like 
See ya. Yeah. So later. So at age 17, he drops out of high school, and then he goes to Vegas. And his parents actually, his mom was so worried about him because of his, like, conditions. And, like, I think he kind of grew out of it because he didn't have that as, like, in his adulthoods. It's mostly, like, like preteens, middle right. school. It's, like, the worst time to be in the hospital all the time and not having making friends. Yeah. So that was rough for him. I think that's why he liked working with adults and authority because he wasn't really, he couldn't play with kids. He had to, like, hang out with the adults. Didn't fit in with his and peers. fit in with, like, he couldn't, like, fit in because he couldn't do anything. Um, but the night that his dad was, like, gave him back the car, he left. He's like, I'm getting out. So he goes to Vegas, of all places, and he gets a job at a funeral home where they actually let him live there since he was working there. So he had a room there. Um, I didn't realize like he actually lived there, but that's how he was able to be in Vegas. Is right. Because of that. But um, his parents actually found like a private investigator and like found him in Vegas. Is what, like I watched an interview with his sister was saying like, his mom was so worried. And then his dad's like, oh, fine, I'll go get someone to find him. Right. Which is so fucked <laughs> especially like but this is like the 60s so like kids just left and that was it right we didn't have cell phones you didn't either. have cell phones with letters like who can, you don't know where they live you can't look them up online yeah. but at the funeral home he would actually start dabbling into like his darker desires because it started with like adult corpses he would like lay with them and like kind we don't really know what happened with them but like i would assume like some weird stuff, but one of the biggest things as to why he quit that job, because he was starting to get kind of found out, found out, but not really enough to like fire him justifiably. But one night he laid with a teenage boy instead of an adult, and he said he was like, so something clicked, and then he was like, called up his mom. He's like, can I come home? And his mom's like, come home. Right. And so from there. He, that was thing. He came home around. He was eighteen, almost yeah. nineteen, when he came home. But his adulthood. The crazy thing, and I think this is also one of the most scary things about Gacy, is the fact of how successful he really was as a person. Oh like, yeah. He, not only did he come back home from this Vegas situation of you know working mm-hmm. in this funeral home and doing this stuff with these dead bodies, which obviously. Yeah. You know, being around dead bodies in general is going to take a mental impact on you. Yeah. But, and then also being a college dropout yeah. on top of everything else. So when he came back, he really decided, like, as a normal person, we're, yeah. we'll get into the not normal Not normal stuff. persons. He got his shit together. He yeah. attended Northwestern Business College where he ended up graduating and getting a very good job at Bush Shoe Company. Um, which, from my understanding, he ra- he rised through the ranks and became a manager over a time period. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, that is where he met his first wife, uh, Marilyn Myers, I believe is how her name is pronounced. Yeah. And she was a co-worker uh, with Gacy. I believe that she was actually under Gacy. Yeah, she because I think he was managing and she... Yeah, they were co-workers, but he was the manager at that point. Right, which also shows another interesting fact that maybe, you know... Power play. Power, yeah, he has the power, the authority. Yeah. 
which is going to be something that you notice as a trend with Gacy as we continue yeah. down this Especially path. Especially as someone growing up being belittled so much mm. and thought so little of, I think anyone coming out of that would want to be a little power hungry. Right. Um, on top of going to Northwestern, graduating, getting a great job, mm-hmm. um, he decided to join um, Joyce, which is United States Junior Chamber. Oh, so many things happened in Joyce. Yeah, Joyce so is... <laughs> oh, dude. If Joyce... What we learned about Joyce from this, investi- or this investigation, I guess we could call it, or yeah. information gathering, is that if this goes on all the time, are we really surprised politicians are so corrupt i mean i mean honestly (laughs) it's really bad it you know like you can really the joyce is kind of what reminds me of like oh who's that guy that epstein epstein kind of like that scenario where it's like people with power money right doing whatever fuck they want so before he when he joined Joyce for the first time, there isn't much information that was negative. It did sound like mm-hmm. he was just joining it to kind of further his political interests and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of better himself. But later in his adult life, when he moved and rejoined Joyce in a different area, yeah. you find out some more <laughs> interesting, interesting stuff going on there. Yeah. And with, be- with that being said, Joyce was like a good community helping. Yes. But they did some... some some cool, uh, not cool, they did some interesting things on the side yes. when they weren't trying to protect their community. Right. And one one thing to keep in mind is it wasn't that just Gacy was there to hang out. Like, mm-hmm. he became a key man, which is, I don't know if that's an actual title or just, like, he was a key importance to the area that he was in. And then later named the third most outstanding member across the state of Illinois for being in Joyce, which... I don't know how prestigious of an award that is, but to be mentioned by him and to be mentioned by the community, it's worth, It's it has some sort of power behind it. It has to, because, I mean, he worked so hard for them. Right. And to be recognized, especially, like, political, um, like, interns are, like, pooped on oh, every yeah. goddamn day. Every day. But... So, like, to actually be recognized in a political helping and campaign is monumental. I mean, I would think that's, if you were to want to run for politics, that's somewhere where you start. Yeah, you start getting in with the people. And get your name out there. Um, And from my understanding, he was putting in hours and hours and hours into this venture. Oh, yeah. Like, they were saying 14 hours and working and all that type of stuff. So after, I don't remember the exact time frame from when he was at Bush Company and then, or excuse me, Bush Shoe Company and then offered this opportunity, Mm -hmm. but through his wife's family, um, her parents ended up buying several KFC food food chains yeah didn't they own like over a dozen yeah they owned the most in Illinois at the time it was a large portion of KFCs and her parents ended up offering Gacy a position uh, to be a manager over these restaurants and this also just goes to say like how successful he was because he was making bank he really was just this job I don't know how much he was making at the shoe company but this job offer, um, he was making around $15,000 per year. That's what they were estimating for other research they found, mm-hmm. which in 2020 is about $120,000 a year. Oh, to manage over, I think he only even did three KFCs. Yeah, I think it was three. Three KFCs, and that's how much this 
bastard is making. Yeah, like like how what? <laughs> it shakes me. Well, and on top of the fact that going back to the power dynamic, right? Right. Money gives you power. Money gives you fucking so much. Fucking strong. Gets you um, so much leeway. So not only now is he a college graduate from a prestigious school, mm. he moved up the ranks at a at a company already, so he knows yeah. how to manage. He knows how he knows that how dynamic works. He's married. Married. Right? He does have kids at this point, or he's about to. He has kids about two years before their divorce. So by the time he's running KFCs, I think he's had his first son. Right. Because he had his first son in 1967. Right. And then on top of the fact of everything Joyce that he's doing in Joyce and politically, like, if we stop here... Mm-hmm. John Wayne Gacy's kind of the fucking man for the time period. Yeah. As far as going in the 60s, he is doing everything right. Oh, yeah. In, and going into the 70s where it's going to be even more prevalent. Like, he can make so much more money. Yeah. He, it's going to be crazy. He's living the American dream. Yeah. Besides the fact that he murders and sexually assaults a lot of children and yeah. boys. Not at this time with these KFCs, but very soon after. Very, very soon. Um so to kind of end out on how I feel about his adult life before we start dabbling into why we're even talking about John Wayne Gacy mm-hmm. in the first place is he was a contributing member of his community. You know, he accomplished all these things, like even in today's standards it would be amazing. Yeah. Um, he later creates his own business, which ma- racks and rakes in the money. Six figures. Like... To, in today's standards. Six figures in yeah, today's standards. You know, he is... He's a, success, a successful he's, man. He's very successful. And, like, you can listen to interviews, like, with his neighbors and, like, people on, like, city councils. And, like, um, he was a big... Another big thing about him is he was a Democrat. Mm-hmm. And, like, another thing he thought about with his dad a lot is that was a Republican. So he hated the fact that he was helping all these Democrats, of right. course. But is that he was really big in the Democratic Party. Yeah. Like he helped, like, like Congress, not congressman. He just helped, like, his local community. And, like, to the point where uh, he has a picture with, um, Na- oh, was it, Jimmy Carter's wife? Yeah. I forgot her first name. Yeah, Jimmy Carter's wife can catch the inches is what we figured out. Okay, so we, <laughs> fun story real quick. Yesterday we were looking at pictures of John Wayne Gacy, and we saw one with a woman, and I assumed it was one of his wives. I and I was too. like, I was like, man. He got really, like, he got a hottie for, like, being kind of, like, you know, not the stereotypical, like, hot guy, but, like, and then I messaged Wes today, I was like, oh, my God, that's the Jimmy Carter, (laughs) that's Jimmy Carter's wife, not his wife. I mean, does that put things in a weird perspective, though? Because when you sent that to me, I started thinking about it. Yeah. He had enough, unless he just went to, like, an event, he had enough power or sway to be able to get that close to to the, the president's wife. To the first lady of the United States to, like... So that's, like, how prevalent he was in, like, his community is that everyone knew him. Everyone, like, loved him. Like, he helped out people. Like, he'd give out loans. And, like... I wonder if... I want to know what John Wayne Gacy's long-term plan was politically if he didn't get caught. Yeah, I don't think he ever, like, planned to get into into politics. Because I think he kind of knew he couldn't because people would start digging, literally and figuratively. Right. Um, (laughs) But I think, but even then, though, like, he probably could have still, though. Even if it was, like, just city council in Chicago. Right. You know, like, something like that. I'm not really good on government, so I don't no, know how I it all works. But, works I mean, but I know he would 
continuously help people. Right. But but the from where KFC ends before he does get his own business is there was a little incident that happened. Not very little. Pretty big. Pretty big deal. But, um, but he started, and this is kind of like the start of John Wayne Gacy, is when he violated one boy first. Right. And then he did it again, and then the second boy got found out. Or was the reason why he went to jail. But what he did was, the first boy, you know, he raped and didn't kill but let go. And he, like, sexually assaulted. Just fucked up shit. Like, I can't, I can't read half the stuff he's done to these people. These poor young men. But he did that to him and, like, he went to the police, obviously. And then the police were, like, going to, like, you know, try him and stuff. And then John Wayne Gacy actually hired people to scare that kid away to drop the charges. And so he did until later another little boy came out. I think they were both like 15, 16. And they like kind of compared notes. And then they both went to the police. And then that's when Gacy was arrested and then charged. It was one account of sodomy. One account of sodomy for these two boys that he destroyed. Yeah, they will be forever scarred. Forever scarred. And also, I just want to put into perspective. So he went to jail in... December of 1968, he did plead guilty to sodomy in one degree, and he got sentenced to 10 years. I just want everyone to know that, so he had a son the year before. On, So he got, you know, December. In October of that same year, he had a daughter. So that means he had a two-month-old when he got arrested and was in jail. That's, that's where it, like, baffles me is that, like, this guy was literally doing those to people when he was like having his own kids like biological kids right and so like that's where it's like what it just like you like because especially even like he has a young son like i'm just glad that he got caught because i almost wonder what he would have done to his own son oh i know i mean but all for all that he does he did say he would never lay a hand on his kids right that was his biggest thing he's like when i had kids and when he had stepkids I will never lay a finger on those kids. But, because this was in Springfield when he got arrested. So that's that's really prevalent to remember, too. So this was happening in Springfield. He's originally from Chicago. And so when he goes to jail in Springfield, he only, what, how long did he start the sentence for? This blows my mind. <gasps> so crazy. Ten-year sentence. So a sexual assault charge with sodomy sentenced to ten years in jail or prison. I can't remember which one it is. I think it was jail. He served 18 months. 18 months and got out for what? Good behavior? Good behavior because, and I think this goes back to him knowing how politics works. Mm-hmm. He knew exactly what he had to do when he got in. He raised, he rise up the ranks. He became a head chef. They say that he was a model prisoner. Yeah. To the point they're like, did you even do it? Yeah. Like, he was so just, not even like charismatic or charming like you can say like, Bendy was he right. just was such a people's person that he was the man yeah in the sense of the community like he was the man right he just people like it almost seemed like people flocked to him because he was so willing to help which yeah. turns into a very interesting point when he decides to start his own business because it's yes. weird that he starts hiring the type of person that he likes to sexually assault yes and so with that it kind of goes into so he got out obviously his family, weirdly enough, let him live with them. Yeah. And then that's when he met his second wife, 
fuck, I don't know her name. I don't know. But he ha- he married a second wife. Ha- she had two daughters, and so he basically got these two grandkids in. Oh, and his dad died pretty soon after that. That's why he was allowed back. So he went back to Chicago, got his own house, living with his wife and his mom at the time. Like, his mom lived with him up until, like, three years he- she got captured, because I think she was just too old. But Right. So she had remarried, but it didn't stop there. No. No. And this is where where it kind of like gets a little like there's a lot of and especially of 33 murders that right. we know of fully. And back to what I said early on is we know of 33 murders. He confessed to 33 murders. Mm-hmm. It, it could be a lot more. It, it really could. I'm easily. willing I'm willing to put my name that he easily sexually assaulted thousands like I, oh hundreds and hundreds I mean, easily and how many times did he just pay off other kids to go beat up the kid and or just pay the kid because like um, another thing that he would do is like he would assault them give them some money yeah and they're like well well fuck well he did pay me yeah like I, it was bad but like i i yeah but so with that like kind of going into like all of his victims um, it's good to point out, and this is where like a lot of people don't know this, but before he murdered his first victim, and that's when it kind of spiraled, was he was assaulting kids before that, and like, but like it wasn't like enough investigation slash enough of a crime that he got sentenced when he had it. Mostly, he was um, charged with what was it, attempt to rape or attempt to assault. So it was always attempts. But, obviously, he only served an 18-month sentence. He's on parole. A good thing to remember during this time in the early 70s, one, they didn't know about serial killers. Right. Two, um, I have it right here. It, since it was an attempt, it wasn't technically a crime. And so when you're on parole, if someone's not, if your parole people aren't notified about your violations, it doesn't get investigated. So another thing is that's big and important also on top of that is it's a rule violation, not a, a law violation. So when they, when you say, say West started selling drugs, now he's on parole. If he gets like caught with, I don't know, a joint, mm-hmm. your, um, is it DEA or you're like the person who basically is a parole person yeah they get to decide if it's worth sending you back or just saying fuck it because especially during this time too they just the less prisoners the better right like they don't want to they don't want to prison you unless you're of not white skin of course but um they that's how they kind of base it off of that so it had since it happened in springville then this is chicago and they don't obviously know what gacy did over there no one could he got away with it because right. no one knew about his parole. And I really think, too, that that is it's an important fact because if the people... There was a time period where someone came, accused him of something, and it went to court, and it ended up falling through because the kid who did the oh, accusation didn't failed. show up. But through all of that, if they would have contacted... This like where his parole was, mm-hmm. they would have found out everything that he's getting accused of would have gone against his parole, and he would have probably ended up back in jail. Yeah, because it's it's essentially because I don't know when sex offenders became like a thing, but like at that time, it because it's a second offense of the same thing, especially against children, it would have he would have gotten back to jail because right. I don't think he had to because obviously he didn't register as a sex offender because I don't know we should look that up at some point. 
um, when sex offending was like a thing, right? Like a like a big. Yeah, somewhere you have to register for. Yes. Oh, I forgot the most interesting thing about his childhood. I apologize, guys. We'll be a little bit more structured next time. <laughs> but another thing, and this is like we're being we're gonna get a little bit more into this later. But when he was eleven, no seven, he was also. Um, assaulted multiple times by a family friend who was a contractor. Just think about that while he's running this construction business. Yeah. So, with that, yeah. I would like to talk about the, how his dad treated him before we get into the crimes. Yeah. Um, or at least the 33 victims and the crimes and kind of what all happened after that. Mm -hmm. The whole idea of him being gay or bisexual as he, he told claims, his second wife. I think he really was gay, but it was yeah. easier to swallow for himself as a person because he basically just kept lying to himself. Yeah. You could definitely tell during when he got captured, but he said bye because it's better than being right. full gay. So that's what I he think identified that, as at yeah. the end. I think that during the time period, obviously, you know, being a homosexual was very negative. It was um, very frowned upon. And that's how it used to be like, you know, you if someone called you gay, that's how it used to be negative. It's like, you don't want to be gay. And yeah. obviously now we're starting to realize that, I mean, that's a whole different discussion, but it's, it's yeah. perfectly fine to be what you want to be. Oh, and, yeah. It, you know, back then, though. Love, but back then. No. Love between a man and woman was the only thing. So you would have to hide everything. And I think mentally that is just so impactful on any human. Oh, yeah. Like having to keep such a deep, dark secret. Right. And especially when your dad would basically call you all the words in the dictionary that were slurs towards someone, someone towards like the gay community. Like, yeah. obviously he knows how bad it must be because it was imprinted from his dad. Yeah. And I think that that's very important to put out there um because there was a time period when he was running the kfc's he created this club in his house and there's pictures online if you want to look at it he like put a tiki lounge down in his basement or something like that that went into the the one in his real house so he had it multiple places he just loved that tiki lounge (laughs) it's kind of the shit to be honest with you it's the most 70s decorate like decorative bar I've oh, yeah. ever seen. It's so like all the shit he's done. <laughs> man, I had good taste. Yep. Cuz that tiki bar looks fun. <laughs> it, it does look fun. But one thing that he was doing is he was invite young men and I don't know what the age range was. There might have even been kids who were, you know, in their early 20s or whatever. He would invite them over to his house to drink and hang out and smoke weed smoke weed and do all this type of stuff and then when everyone gets drunk he would try and make sexual advances and then if mm-hmm. if it wasn't reciprocated or the person would be like what are you gay or whatever yeah he would be he would play it off and be like oh man like just i was just testing, testing you, you bro like well, like but like in, and I made a joke yesterday that it reminded me of, like, frat bros who are like, yo, yeah. bro, you should suck my dick. And then if he says no, like, what are you, gay? Then he'd be like, no, bro, I'm just joking. Like, yeah. it really gave me that vibe, like, that he would, yeah. like, if they would have said yes, he would have gotten what he wanted. And I don't know if that meant that he was trying to do, like, trying to do it in a manner that wasn't 
mm-hmm. sexual assault or I, I don't really know what why he did it that way if that was just another yeah. twisted way of him trying to gain power and it's just another way to manipulate because even with his later victims he would get them drunk and that's how he was able to get control over them right but we'll learn more about his hacks because he like had a system down and it oh right so interesting the like the process but so with like that and like having like inviting boys over especially like to entice them like let's watch porn yeah because like back then you didn't really have easy access to it so like mm-hmm. i guess like honestly like if i never saw porn and someone was like want to watch it like my initial reaction like now that i actually like seen porn i'm like what the fuck i'm not gonna It'd watch porn yeah. with you but like someone who's never really seen porn but kind of heard about it you might you'd be interested so of course like well, Especially th- teenage boys. I think, boys. too, the time period is really important to take into consideration just because porn was very taboo. Oh, no. Like, you know. Like, I think, wasn't it, like, the late 60s? It was Who was that woman? Lovelace? Something that, like, started the porn industry, yeah. basically. Like, it's still very fresh, and it's still very, like, not American. Like, porn was, like, the devil, Pretty yeah. much. Same with the just... devil's lettuce and all these other things that Gacy was in. Mm-hmm. But to a 15, 16-year-old boy, <laughs> Gacy would be the bro. You'd be like, dude, you're going to fucking get me some weed and some alcohol and we're going to watch some porn? Yeah, I'll come fucking hang out. Yeah. or it, like He was an easy pitch. He could pitch two kids and these he, young boys everything they wanted. He was able... He was literally like Walt Disney... <laughs> so bad. Say, he was the Walt Disney to these kids because like, shit, I get to go to Disneyland essentially. Right. But like, obviously they don't know who he is as a person. Right. And the biggest turning like area, like turning point was when Gacy starting to murder was his first murder victim. There was tons of victims before. And that's why the theory that it could be 2,000 people is because yeah. how many don't get reported? Right. So many. And especially because, like, before this one kid, he didn't really have his torture-torture methods in because he started then the torture, I think, after this kid. Right. Because he was, like, I mean, he would violate super hard to the point where it is kind of torture, but it wasn't torture-torture until he had, like, started the murder spree. But it was Timothy McCoy. He was a 16-year-old boy. And um, he picked him up, obviously brought him back to his house because I think his mom, like his mom, his uh, wife at the time and daughters were going to go visit like someone, like they were going to go out. And so he had the house to himself. So he invited this little boy in. They have sex. And the story, see, the thing that's also hard about kind of going over his crimes is you're really taking it to face value of what John Wayne Gacy says. And he, to the day he died, wanted to like clear his name. He was very much proud of like, what is it? What's the word when you're like, you're like your self image, your reputation. Yeah, your reputation. He was like almost like trying to save his reputation up until the day he died. Oh. And that's why I love his last words. Anyways, but um, with that, he like Gacy claims that they went to bed together. He woke up, he wasn't there. He goes downstairs and he sees Timothy with a knife, and that like snapped Jace. Like, Gacy, he's like, oh, my God, he's going to kill me. So he murders him, and then he noticed that there was breakfast on the table. Right. And that was the start of when, and I think even Gacy kind of said, like, oh, that's kind of when I knew I wanted to take it the next level. Right. Murder. (laughs) And it didn't stop, like, I think that it just built 
this new whole entire like unholy thing that is giving Gacy the thrills that he needs. Because if we're being mm-hmm. honest, Gacy, like when we talk about like evil people, they all have a reason why they're doing it. And I feel like almost yeah. before this murder, Gacy was getting to a point where he had accomplished everything in his evil mind, if that yeah. makes sense. Like he's done all this sexual assault and he's done all this all these awful things like i mm-hmm. think it was getting to a point where he was bored with what he, what he was doing yeah. and he wanted to take that next step and mm-hmm. i feel like even if it was the knife thing or if it wasn't the knife thing he would have still it still would have led to murder yeah i think i think his story does kind of add up though because it would be a good excuse to instantly assume he's trying to murder him because also john wayne gacy if you haven't seen a picture of him he's like what like by like maybe six foot i don't know how tall he is we can look it up while you're talking but he's like a big dude yeah and his first victim was a 15 year old scrawny ass boy so it's like even if he had a knife do you really oh he's 510 yeah so 510 and what 200 pounds how much uh, he's probably a little bit heavier than that heavier about maybe 250 yeah height weight um Yeah, I mean, if I were to go by picture, I would say he's in between 230 and 270 on a given picture. Anyways, three times the size of a 15-year-old, like, boy. And so I think this helped him justify doing that. Like how Dahmer's excuse for now starting to murder besides his first victim was he accidentally killed the second victim and he was like well that was nice let's keep going with that you know so i think this was kind of his excuse to be like all right let's keep practicing worse things well and one thing that um holly and i were talking about that we want to do on the side is kind of get into the brain of some of these serial killers and i don't want to get into that right now because we're really excited for doing that but yeah um, I really think that serial killers and, you know, people who cause mass harm mm-hmm. really have a different mindset. And I compare it to the TV show Dexter, yeah. where even though Dexter was a serial killer and a murderer, mm-hmm. he had a code. He had a code in his brain that made it OK. And I think Dahmer, I think Gacy, I think Bundy, all these people in mm-hmm. their head had this code to justify it. And I don't think Gacy's any different. Yeah, no, and I think this was just the perfect opportunity to be like, well, I did it once, and then obviously got away with it, Mm -hmm. I can do it again. And I think then it became almost more convenient to kill them, because you don't have to worry about them narking, you don't have to worry about them, you know, telling other people. You wouldn't have to pay more people. Paying people off, which... I so I think next we'll go into more of like his tactics of what he would do because there's 33 victims and unfortunately there's like what is it eight of them are not even like they unknown yeah. eight of them are unknown from his because there's um, and another big thing if you live in the Chicago area or you had relatives in the Chicago area during the 68 to 78 they're literally still taking donations so if you had like family members. And you knew, like, you're, like, your grandma or, like, your second, third cousin, they had a kid that went missing. Yeah, like, if they had, like, say, a son that went missing around the age that Gacy, because it was up to, like, 23 to 12, Yeah. honestly. If you know that, you should go get tested or, like, you know, give your DNA because you might be able to solve another hidden body. Like, there's just so many, there's still, like, eight 
undiscovered boys. Like, no one knows who they are. Well, and, you know, one thing I want to put out there, I mean, I'm sure, you know, we get excited about true crime because it's such an interesting subject, and sometimes it does get lost that, you know, these are victims of awful incidents, and, mm-hmm. you know, the ones who survived, I'm sure, are still scarred by the moment, and, yeah. you know, their families are still suffering from the ones who are lost, and, you know, all the names and stuff that we use, it's mm-hmm. it's meant to be informative it's meant to put out there that you know this awful person can do this and we want to try and create history where we can learn from our past and yeah you know try and stop things like this from happening like be able to put these eight bodies to like a name and a rest right and like so then that way maybe maybe they have like a sister brother something because i mean gacy's sister's still alive i think she's i don't remember how gay old he's he was 45. So he would be about my grandma's age. Yeah. Because that's right. Because his dad were, was in World War One, and he missed World War Two because he was just born. But anyways, so yeah. The victims, especially, like, being able to find out those people yeah. would be... Just to lay them to rest properly. Lay, lay them to rest. And, have and if them. you're in a position where you can donate and you want to find a some sort of charitable organization that is helping this cause mm-hmm. reach out i'll try and find one that i can link in our descriptions on Honestly. all of our media just yeah. to try and help you know anyway we can you know because true crime is interesting true crime is exciting and true crime is it's the most taboo thing that still exists and yeah it's, it's fun to talk about but at the end of the day these are know, still people yeah this is a magnitude yeah. that is greater than than anything we could ever even comprehend right. but but back to the tactics of, like, how Gacy would get these boys, besides, like, picking them up. But one of his biggest ones, or, like, at least, like, three of his victims fell prey to this, is that, especially his third victim was actually, um, so Gacy would sometimes not pay them on time and be like, you'll get it eventually, you'll get it eventually. Before we get to that, let's let's talk about him starting the business, because that, oh, yeah. that leads into a lot of his victims is... I don't remember exactly. Yeah, Gacy started a construction business because he was given a lot of time for parole, in, right? Yeah, it was in 1971 he started the business. Like he was able to get like a certain amount of time where he could work on this construction business and it ended up being very successful. But why it's so prevalent is he would go and hire mm-hmm. these young boys and men as a first job and be like, hey, Come work with your boy, John. I'll get you a job. I'll pay I'll, you decent. I'll pay you decent. You come out here. You the work learn, hard. Train. I'll give you your money. Oh, especially in the 70s, being a learning the construction oh, trade yeah. was huge. Oh, that could lead to a whole entire career for these young boys. They could make their own business. Yeah. You know? Like, it was a is a good opportunity. And that start of his business led to most of these 33 victims that we know of. 33 victims that we know of, yeah. And, like, one of those tactics, because he was obviously the owner and had the power, of course, he would sometimes pay him late. Mm-hmm. And so then that way he can be like, oh, hey, why don't you just come over to my house and I'll, or hey, come home with me. I'll take you and I can get, I'll, I'll write you a check, but it's at my house. Come over. And that's how he got his third victim is then... But the thing is, too, he was so good at manipulating and creating these situations that he could get himself out of because with his last paycheck, because this kid was quitting, and I think he graduated high school and he was leaving, um, or he was just graduating high school, so he was done working for Gacy, he wanted to do something else. He gave him his last paycheck. I, I mean, he didn't, but he murdered him. Awful. 
hit his body in the crawl space. This is where he started hiding the first 25, 28 of them. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so he would give them, or he would, like, entice them, like, or, like, not pay them, so that way they have to go and, like, be alone with him. But this boy in particular, since he graduated, he got his last paycheck. When he was questioned by the cops, he said, oh, you know, I think he went to, like, he was saying, like, he was like, I'm so sick of this town and wanting to go to, like, Costa Rica or something. Right. He did it, like, with three different people because there was one person who was like, oh, he's going to Costa Rica. One was like, oh, I think he wanted to go be a movie star in L.A., which in the 70s means I'm just going to not do anything. Or and like, he would just, like, make these, like, scenarios of, like, I think these, because they're old enough to the fact where... They could go do their They own can thing. go do their own thing, because technically there's not resources of ways to find these boys that just run away. And so he was, he would, like, fabricate where these boys are. And it actually did turn into one of the reasons that he ended up getting caught was through him explaining that some of these boys are just leaving like oh yeah i gave him his paycheck he was talking about moving to california or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. um he was getting left vehicles at his house or different places and he ended up selling some of these vehicles to other kids yeah and that strangely enough turns into kind of a way that he ended up getting caught I'll explain more when we get into the investigation side of things. But, so, and, like, another tactic he would do with, like, the boys is he would entice them with drugs and alcohol and obviously being like, hey, come to my house. We had a long day at the office. You know, let's, let's blow off some steam. And his party trick, which him being a clown, he would be like, so you know I'm a clown, right? Do you want to see a trick? And so he would handcuff himself get out of the handcuffs, and be like, now you do it. And they'd be like, okay. And most of the time when they would deny, he'd be like, all right, I'll give you like 50 bucks if you do it. And he's like, they're like, any, especially 50 bucks that, that time, it's like, why not? So he would then handcuff the boys, and his classic line was, they're like, okay, how do I get out? And they're like, he, or like, what would he say? He's like, oh, you want to know my secret? And they're like, yeah, you have to have the keys. And then he would do his thing. thing. And then one of his biggest ways of murder was they would be handcuffed. He did so many different things, but one of the main ones besides the handcuff trick that basically he did every time because it worked was he would, like, get a rope around his neck. And then he would either get a pipe or a piece of stick and, like, crank it so he can, like, kill him faster. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, there was sometimes where he was just blatantly murdering these kids yeah. for hours. Because then you find out, too, his garage is soundproofed. Yeah. So no one's going no to hear anything because it's his domain and no one's going to go in there because no, no one wants to get, you know, especially during that time, it's the man's house. Right. He's paying the bills. You don't want to interrupt, you yeah. know. But I'm not sure when his wife finally left him. I think it was like... It was like I think I think they're only married like three or four years. Yeah. And then they got divorced and then his mom lived with him until seventy five and then she moved out. So it was just getting easier and easier for him to Well there was kill. a there was a point in time where and this is where the bisexual thing came up is he was mm. having sex with his second wife mm. and he told her that this is the last time we're having sex because I'm bisexual and I believe shortly after she ended up leaving him. And then I'm sure it was 
countless other things on top of just that fact. Yeah. But that is something that he specifically pointed out. He's like, I'm not having sex with you anymore. I'm bisexual. Which, if you're bisexual... You would think you would... Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, too, she started noticing things about him. Like, he had, like, gay porn. Yeah. He had pornographic magazines. And then you'll learn more about, like, when the investigation part when he gets what all was in his house. But she started noticing things. And she kind of was like, then that happened. She think, Then she was like, I'm just going to dip. Right. This doesn't seem right. But so he would pick up boys from his job. Not all the time. Um, he would also just pick them off the street corners. Another good line he did, and this is how, kind of leads up to, like, how he would finally get caught, is he would then be like, hey, I work in construction. You want to talk about this job? Come mm-hmm. in the ride with me. And then he would, like, chloroform, or he would take them home, try to talk to them there, and right. XYZ. He had so many different ways to pick up them. He would sometimes just pick them up off the street and was like, you need a job? Get in the car. Let's go. Yeah, you know, he- kind of thing. Like, just... Especially during that time period, it was easy. Just you, you'd be like, "Hey, well, that boy, was you common. Go? it was common." Hitchhikers were common too. Oh yeah, hitchhiking was fun. Yeah, it wasn't scary at all. Yeah. It was he great. was like he and uh, well, obviously, there's a lot of people who ruined hitchhiking and yeah, you know, the whole entire idea of it now is so like, why the fuck would you do that? Oh, when I see people hitchhiking, I'm like, well, also then you have the um, Elaine something. The hitchhiker killer, yeah. where she then also became another big fear because it was scary to hitchhike because you don't know who's driving you. Yeah. But then it became scary because you don't know who you're picking up. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing is like, you <laughs> see a hitchhiker, like, that's an axe murderer. Yeah. You know? I literally, I so we live in Utah and we live in kind of like a small suburban area. I saw someone hitchhiking over like, um, kind of by like the bound, not like... Anyways, in an area that I was like, why are you hitchhiking? Yeah. There's bus systems. Like, I literally was like... It's a little shady. And also, too, I was like, is this still a thing people legitimately do? <laughs> like, I could see being, like, desperate, desperate. But, like, you're someone's probably going to murder you, so you're hoping someone picks you up. But even then, most people just drive by, because yeah. who's going to pick up a hitchhiker? Not in 2020. Not in 2020. Oh, well, I mean, hopefully not. <laughs> but... Because even in Canada, they had that. They had, like, a string of murders. They yeah. were called, like, there was, like, this big, long road in Alaska. This is a side story. I'm sorry. But Alaska where, or not Alaska, but in Canada, where there's literally billboards that say, women do not hitchhike on this road. Yeah. Because there was, like, a theory that there was a serial killer. Because women kept disappearing only when they were on this road. Wow. And, like, if your car got stopped, they said, lock your doors and flags, hopefully someone good because you don't know in that road because it's so wide and expanse that like it's so easy to just do it because there's like yeah. even if they had unless they had like 10 cop cars on that road all the time there's no way they could monitor it right but anyways back to good old john wayne gacy like i'm trying to think of like all have uh, all of his killings but yeah his third victim or i think that was his fourth victim so many oh well because some of them are not identified so they number them based off i think of like um decaying and like being able to like solve it that way so some of them have names but then like some of them are number five and some of them are like 28 because well what the crazy part is and i guess i can kind of get into the investigation side of things is there there was all these victims but his last reported victim is actually the first one that 
his family. I don't know if it's the first one, but it's the first one that really got brought to the local investigators' attention. Um, the family reported him missing, and I have his name right here. Um, and to be honest with you, I believe that if his family didn't pursue this, John Wayne Gacy would have never been caught. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I lost my page. Let me go and find it again. He was a 15-year-old by the name of Robert Priest. Um, he Basically, how the story goes is he left his current job that he was at, like he was off for his shift, and he was meeting up with a gentleman about a construction job. Mm-hmm. And people knew that that's what he was going to go do. And that yeah. was the last he was ever heard. Because of. it was also his mom's birthday. And he, he was like a really good son. And he, his mom, like, he would not miss my birthday for right. a job. Like, he wanted the job, but he would not miss his mom's birthday. Right. So, I guess I can kind of get into the whole... The investigation's actually kind of crazy. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to learn from it on how investigations need to be handled because i feel like there was a lot of warning signs very early that they didn't yeah and and i was watching a video today that was like talking about like the lead investigators and like people on the force and like these these guys did not realize what they were getting into when they were investigating gacy absolutely not so that's where like like crazy also another thing before we get into the investigation to bring up and this is why it's so wild too and it's also like a good and it's sad even today that this happens a lot especially when men report because gacy at like the later times were starting to actually let people go yeah so like i think there was two he let go one went to the cops and actually was on the stand and had to explain everything michael wrote rossi rossi yeah yeah like he had to go on the stand and explain what happened to him to the point that he threw up because My, it was so much for him. Michael may honestly be the main proponent in Gacy going down. And, Fully, yeah. And I, it gives me the chills thinking about him because the the mental struggle that that poor, poor kid at the time would have gone through to have to do all this, mm-hmm. to be someone who got assaulted by him... Yeah. And then still have to go and see him and go to trial. And, and... explain what happened to him. Because he was in the hospital for, I think, what, six weeks? Something like so that. It, it was at least three weeks at the most. He was there, or no, I think it was only six days. But still, right. six days from just what John Wayne Gacy did to him right. alone. And it's just so, like, mind, like, like it just baffles me that there's no... Nothing right. like no, no one investigated his because it's like at that time also like I think because Gacy also was playing it off as like that guy was a prostitute yeah and I think that's also how he was able to let some guys go because there's also a couple victims where um one where we have to shout out a dog because yeah. he saved the day um one he he had an employee there who he didn't know but was a professional wrestler. He was doing the handcuff trick on, and when his hands were behind his back, he didn't actually do it all the way. He only did it a little bit because he was like, this doesn't seem right. Right. And so when he was like, okay, what's the trick? And Gacy was like, you have to have the keys and attacked him. Obviously, he had his hands and was able to like kind of fight it off, but his husky, like kind of fought. The kid's husky. So this kid had a husky followed him kind of to Gacy's house and literally like 
got into the house and was like biting Gacy. Yeah. And literally, you know how it ends was Gacy's like, haha, I'm just joshing you, dude. Like, I'm just kidding. I'll take you home. He gets in his car with Gacy after just being almost attacked. And it was played off as just. just good old like, boys being boys. boys. And that was it. He just went home. And he did that with a couple other people where he would like even like assault them yeah. and then just take them home. And it's like not it's like what do you even do? And especially that wrestler never thought about contacting anybody because he was like ah maybe he's just a weird dude. He literally was just like weird guy. Yeah. What a, so what a strange one. But also shout out that husky. I can't find his name online. It's really sad. But husky came to rescue. Yeah. And that's where I'm like doggos. Doggos for life. Doggos for life. But yeah. So then with that kind of like. It just kind of shows what kind of power he had, where he just, he could even still get away with it. Oh, yeah. And, like, it waffles me. Right. But then, he messed with the wrong last victim yep. and their family, because that's when the investigation starts so, happening. So, yeah, when Priest went missing, his family obviously was very, they pursued it, where I don't know if the other families didn't or they did, and there just wasn't as much of an evidence to build a case against Gacy. Yeah. But, they knew where their son was yeah. and where he was going. Well, I think another issue was, too, because um, I watched an interview with the mom. Because the, the kid said, hey, mom. Because they were at a store together. And he left. He was like, hey, mom, this guy wants to talk about construction job. I'm going to go with him and talk about it and maybe get this job so I can start making money. Yeah. His mom's like, okay. And then went home, assuming that maybe the gentleman who's offering them the job will take him home didn't right. come home but i think a lot of where it kind of differentiates is she knew it was a construction job i don't think a lot of the other families knew that they right. were offered a construction job yeah and so she was able to hunt down all the people Who and, and, that's, and, why. and then gacy with all those prior complaints kind of was the main let's look at him first right so and that's exactly what happened um gacy the, the local police force and investigators put Gacy, obviously, as one of the prime suspects, which led to an initial um, search warrant because they were like, well, is is Robert there? Like, is, is he still around? What is going on with it? So they did a search warrant on his house, and they found a lot of interesting things that yeah. would, like, today raise a lot of red flags um, some of it could be played off that they mentioned, like he, they found dildos and porn and, you know, there's, there was like some, some drugs, but they're not really like yeah, he was really big drugs. Yeah, he was really big into poppers, but poppers really weren't like a drug to look for. Yeah. Um, another weird thing they found were like homosexuality books. Yeah. And then there was the worst book was the one that I feel like should have just been the indicator was, I don't remember what it was called, but it was something like how men be with boys yeah it was like a pedophilia it was like kind of a pedophilia book but like not it wasn't enough yeah it was weird it wasn't weird enough that you're like hmm interesting but they didn't have enough to really pin anything on gacy there were clothes and they did find underwear that was way too small for gacy to be in in his house but that still isn't enough information that they felt they could pin it but it was enough Mm-hmm. To that they put a surveillance team on him all the time. Yeah, 24-7 surveillance because, what was it, December 12th that he went in the first day and they got a search warrant? Uh, it was Oh, yeah. He came back at 
because they came and knocked on his door and was like, hey, you cool with doing investigations? And he was like, the thing that's like crazy about it is that he's like, actually, I'm dealing with the death in the family. And they're like, we don't care. You need to get, you need to answer some questions. And he's like, wow, you guys don't even care that I'm dealing with like a death in my family, even though I took away 33 other family members. But that was like kind of like his thing is like they then like investigate his house, but they like, the way he was just so cocky and was like, I don't know that boy. Well, he had such a weird, like, almost relationship with these surveillance teams. Like, he would invite them in for food. He would oh, go yeah. out to eat, eat with them. them. They would have these conversations. They even coined, like, they even recounted him, like, being open about gay sex and, like, yeah. I don't know if he made advances towards them or different things like that, but it was a weird dynamic. But yeah. they noticed that it was starting to visibly shake him. Like, he was starting to have... He was starting to sweat. He stopped, like, grooming. He stopped being mm-hmm. kempt. Like, so it was working. Um, and the surveillance team lasted a long time. But in steps Michael, oh, yeah, yeah. Rossi, Rossi. Oh, yeah. Um, during these mm-hmm. surveillances and this investigation, uh, Michael contacts the investigators... Um, Basically, to inform them of another victim, Gregory Godzix, um, his disappearance, and Charlie Hatula. I apologize yeah. if I'm butchering the names. That, I'm just not good with name. Both of them are missing. I believe that it was either Godzix or Charlie was washed up in the river. They did find his body. Oh, yeah. Because that was one thing Gacy was doing, was putting him in the... Well, because he ran out of space in his crawl space. Yeah. And he had to literally... And he was using lime away to keep the smell away, which right. was baffling to me that it, it barely worked. Right. But what this connected was all, th- all both of those victims were, they worked with PDM, which was Gacy's construction mm. company. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. It was Charles who was found. Um, Charles Hatula was found drowned in the Illinois River earlier that year. So it just starting to build the case and build the case bigger. They're starting to find all the little pieces that... Gacy was able to hide. Right. And didn't he even say when he was like ate, ate with them once? What was it that he said? That oh, what was it? Oh, I'll leave that for later because oh, okay. that's that's that right there. Not only is one of the craziest things I've ever heard in investigation, but it also pisses me off. Pisses me off. It pisses me off. It's oh, so, so angry. yeah. You guys will hear that later, and you go, "What the fuck?" So the investigators conducted a formal interview with Michael. And he actually did a polygraph test. Mm -hmm. And what they did is they took the county that he lived in. And it was really weird how they did it. But they set up grids. Mm -hmm. And where, like, they asked um, Michael where so-and-so's body, like, where Robert's body was buried or something like that. Uh And they started asking, well, was it grid four? And the polygraph caught visible heart palpitations going up. And then Michael refused to answer any more questions or different things like that. And I don't know if Michael was involved in helping Gacy is the thing that... That's like the crazy theory that people talk about a lot is, um, especially with his um, victim that got away, that had to go on stands and threw up. Yeah. um, He thought he saw another person in his room. So there's a theory that there was either one or a couple other people that were in cahoots with Gacy, like, especially because if you think about, like, how he was um, in Springville with, what's the 
what's the group called? The like Joyce. Joyce. How they were had like like these sex parties essentially. So oh, not yeah. like sex parties, but they would have these pornographic view wife swapping, prostitutes, yeah. the whole nine the drugs. Whole, whole nine yards. Yeah. It kind of would make sense that if he did have a partner, how easy it's hide like hidden because of how he kind of is able to like he has like yeah, I think he's able to like talk to certain people and be able to blow off right. when people aren't interested. And I think he could have easily found like people that wanted to maybe even pay Gacy to like, hey, catch anyone this week? Yeah. Can I come over and help you out maybe? Right. Like never proven, but wouldn't be surprised. Right. Um, after the the polygraph test. Now, this whole entire situation is taking place in December of 1978. Um, that's a good thing to mention, too, as to why when they went into his house the first time. Because, like, people started noticing a smell in his house that he blamed a dog. But in the winter, obviously, was, bodies don't decompose as fast right. and you can air out your house easier. Yeah. So I think that's another reason why the first time they looked into his house, they didn't think to find they didn't find anything because they weren't really looking like they might have noticed a smell but not enough until the second time the second time because he had the heaters on he had the heaters on um, dumbass. there was an interesting investigation where they went and um did a mm-hmm. test on his oldsmobile which was his car that he used normally mm-hmm. and they did find microfibers that could have been human hair yeah but because of it being the 70s they didn't have they the right test but they did a german shepherd dog test which i find very interesting yeah. and what it was is i don't know if they had robert priest's scent in some way but they were, got like a shirt from his mom or yeah something. and what it did what they did was is they put it around the dogs around the oldsmobile and they actually the dogs picked up the scent and got into the front seat mm-hmm. and they laid down and i guess through the training that those dogs did is that they yeah. laid down somewhere that means that there was the dead body of that person in that area. So yeah. the dogs may have proved that Priest was in that car yeah. dead. Died in the car. But that still wasn't enough to... Fully prosecute him. Right. But didn't that give him the second warrant? Yes, that led to the second warrant. Um let me get my information. And it is worth mentioning that during this, mm-hmm. after the Oldsmobile thing, Gacy did file a civil suit. Because he was feeling harassed. He was feeling harassed. It was for three quarters of a million, which is an outrageous amount of money during this time. Outrageous. Um, so come December 19th is when the second search warrant um, mm-hmm. was finalized and they were able to go in his house. Um, one of the investigators was using a weird tactic of he was conversing with Gacy in like a pretty awesome, like a pretty yeah. polite manner. The other one sneaked away to try and look around the house, but he ended up just going to the bathroom uh-huh. and he started taking a pee. And because Gacy had turned up the heat in his house, the he guy seemed... smelled what he he was for sure as rotting corpses. Yeah, especially being a detective, like, you know what a dead body smells like. Right. And he was like, that smells like decay. And then it was like, boom, instant. Right. After that interview, on the same day, I believe, or the day after, they they interviewed Michael again, Michael Rossi. Yeah. And uh, they straight up asked him where Gacy could have put these bodies of all these victims. Mm-hmm. And... 
it is quoted that Michael said in the crawl space he could have put them in the crawl space. Yes. Well, and then that's when they looked in the crawl space. Because also, too, when they were talking to neighbors, Gacy would hire these young boys to dig out his crawl space, murder them, put them back in the crawl space. But he actually had multiple kids dig more into the crawl space so he can hide more bodies. Right. And that's when, like, because, like, these poor kids, the ones, like, didn't even get murdered and put back in there would leave and be like, man, his house smells like shit. Yeah. But they don't know because, like, I mean, I, I if so, if I smelled a dead body, I probably wouldn't even, I'd, like, I unless I knew it was, I probably wouldn't know what that scent really was, except maybe decay. I could have thought it was an animal. You know, like, maybe they thought, like, he had a, like, a, like a dead mouse. Right. Like, it could have been that stinky. So you know? what gets weird is this final December 20th, the same day that Michael um, announced the... The crawl space. The, the crawl space. Gacy later that evening drives over to his lawyer's office because they had a scheduled meeting in mm-hmm. regards to his civil suit. Um, and upon arrival, even his lawyer said that something was wrong. Yeah. Gacy was acting weird. He asked for a, an al- like a drink, like a beer, or like, He's like I need some vodka, beer. whiskey, or whatever. And uh, he the he was asked um, he was getting they were asking questions or whatever. But Gacy picked up a book or a copy, excuse me, of the local newspaper Mm -hmm. um, that was sitting on, I believe, his lawyer's desk, and he pointed to the front page of the article um, that was talking about the disappearance of Robert Priest, and he quoted saying to his lawyer. This boy is dead. He's in a river. And that right there was pretty much the beginning of the end of that was like a confession. Basically. Especially when you say it to your lawyer. But another thing to bring up too is a fun, like not like a fun little thing, but when they picked up Gacy to do more questioning um, and he basically was like, oh, my heart, I need to get, I need the hospital. They took him to the hospital while they're trying to do his thing. And the detective that was supposed to, like, check up on him, make sure he's still there, like, basically it correlated like this. Like, Gacy was coming out, and this cop would just got off, like, the phone with the person there and was like, we just found bones. And literally hangs up, looks at Gacy's like, you're under arrest for a, the murder of. Yeah. The murder of, I think, what, uh, Priest. What's his first name? Robert. Robert Priest. And then from there, that's how they were able to get him easier, too. One thing that scared me to death was when, after he confessed this to his lawyer, um, he went on a rambling spree of confessions. I think this just really went to a boiling point of, like, he just couldn't handle it anymore. Because he, he, later on in the trial, which we'll talk about, he was very arrogant thinking he was going to get off. Yeah. Um, But he was quoted... um, he was informing his lawyer and Stevens and different people who were in the situation um, of what's going on. But this is a direct quote from him. Oh. He had been the judge, jury, and executioner of many, many people. That's a quote from John Wayne Gacy oh, when yeah. he's confessing to his murders. Yeah, well, because I have here somewhere where he was talking about it, where he was like, like kind of like his how he viewed his persona as a clown almost kind of like a like a like a like a veil because it's like clowns are um like can't be murderers or like clowns have no remorse yeah and that they're good like he's a good citizen and he was 
taking out the deviants. Right. He, and yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to get into. Is oh, Gacy yeah. dismissed his victims as male prostitutes, hustlers, liars, and to what he gave them was the rope trick. So the strangulation yeah. and adding to the occasional, um, you know, he, he was just saying awful things. There was dead kids on the ground. There was all this type of stuff. Like it, it got to the point where I think that he had to start telling people and this, this was his too. first confessions. And, yeah. you know, obviously they informed um, the police of what was going on and that he said that they were in the crawl space you know, yeah. they went and I believe um, when the officer showed up, he wanted to, he was quoted saying he wanted to clear the air, mm. which I don't, I don't know in his mind if he thought like, oh, he's going to clear the air, meaning like, oh yeah, I killed all these, these shitty boys. people. Yeah. They, they, like, let me tell you how I cleared the air, how I did the world a service by these 15 year olds who know absolutely nothing. Which obviously is false when we talk about Robert Priest, because his family said that he was pretty much a great kid. They were all, yeah, most every... Oh, well, no, I mean, like, there's... I haven't, like, looked into the the character of each of his victims, obviously, but, like, all of them were good people. Right. <laughs> I mean, none of them were murderers or rapists, so, I mean, that's right. instantly much better than what Gacy was doing. So, to finish out the investigation, everything, um, mm-hmm. on in the early morning hours of December 22nd, mm-hmm. um... In the presence of his lawyers, Gacy provided a formal statement in which he confessed to murdering approximately 30 young males, all of whom he claimed had entered his house willingly. Yeah. But, well, to expand on that a little bit more, because initially when they were kind of, fuck, they were piecing the bodies together at this point. Right. Um, as when they caught him and started, like, his... Um, when you go to the judge and be like, this is what we're pers- like prosecuting him for. Is that the right word? Yeah. What we're convicting him for is this. They initially only had seven. And he initially was like, yeah, I did the seven. Kind of was like, no, I don't mean there's seven. Yeah, for sure, seven. Yeah. And then they kept digging and digging. Obviously, the crawl space kept getting deeper and deeper. Then by the end, he was like, yeah, 33. Right. But they well at the end of the even the trial they were like it's officially 33 because they were still finding bodies even when he got sentenced because that goes into like the trial a little bit more and so let me get my notes because i actually took some good notes so the trial started february 6 1980 so and he was arrested december 22nd 1978 and that's when they can they they charged him initially with just the seven obviously he kept finding more bodies up until 33 until like later or 30 until it was like exactly 33. Um, so killed 33, four was found in the river. Um, cause, but cause that day he admitted to seven. Right. And then that's when they ordered the psyche valve and started the trial. Obviously with only knowing the seven, they didn't realize how monumental it was. And the right. fact that they only went to go find this one kid and found 33 kids I don't know how they, like, how, I want to even, like, see, like, an interview nowadays of, like, how this has impacted the investigators and people like that, because, like, because, like, even then they were, like, we were looking for one kid, and we found so many I'm sure, like, I I can't even fathom those investigators, like, Mm -hmm. because, like you said, they had no idea what they were getting into. They thought maybe this guy, like, kidnapped Robert or... 
you know, did something and then everything started compiling and I think it clicked yeah. in their heads like, oh my God, like this might be big. Like even, I bet, you know, I, I'm not speaking from anything that I read, but you know, I'm, what if that investigator smelled that rotting corpse and was like, oh my God, maybe Robert's down there. I think that's what he probably assumed. And not even thinking the fact that it's not just Robert down there. There's a fucking pile, you yeah. know? Well, because especially when they started going, then, like, once they, you know, found a bone, they started looking at every little thing. And I think it was his, I don't know exactly his numbering now, but the third one on the list of the, on the, on the Chicago Tribune, um, I should look up his name, because he's the one that graduated and got captured by the last check and was able to, like, get called. Um because he just graduated, they actually found his class ring yeah. in Gacy's house. And that's how they were able to identify him as a, it was John Butkovsky? Well, I think, too, that I can't remember if this is correct or not. So, And if anyone watching this, if you guys want to fact check us, please do. Because yeah. that will help us. At the end, I'll give you resources so you can we can start a discussion and you can like let us know if we're way off or we we've done tons of research we spent yeah. hours on this but i just just you know to preface this i won't call out the podcast that messed up but doing research this morning into his childhood this podcast that's a huge crime podcast was wrong they on have. his age of when he left to go to vegas they said that he was 20 he wasn't 20, he was 17. Right, so even big, huge organization podcasts These people up, so. make so much money doing podcasts. Like, they're so big. You literally, I would. I don't want to call them out because it's not a big deal. It's really not. It's just so hard to know exactly what happened unless you tell or ask Gacy. And even then, Gacy's not going to tell you what happened right. because he wants... He, he wants even, it to look his best for him. Yeah, because he did an interview two years before, and when he's talking about it, he, like, still kind of, like, I mean, like, I guess I did that, but right. I mean, like, it wasn't as bad as it makes a shame. But, right. like, he was, even to the end, he was trying to clear his name right. because, I mean, he, he's just a people's man. But, so in the trial, um, he had given three confessions and told the cops were to find his body, kind of like to, that's what a lot of killers do is once they get caught to like smooth over their sentencing, hopefully, is to like help the detectives. And sometimes they'll make plea deals. Like if you tell me where every single body is or you tell me the name of every person, we'll, we won't give you the death penalty. We'll let you live in life. Right. But for this exact moment though, um, because of Gacy confessing to this seven of them, they really wanted to like hammer down because it see that there's a difference and also too in illinois i don't know if it still is we'll do another episode only on the death penalty eventually um but in the state of illinois at this time had the death penalty and so a capital offense which is just murder you don't get the death penalty right. so even if you murdered seven people well there's like a certain number like if you murder two you don't it's a capital offense but it, or is it a capital offense if it's more anyways they hit the Anyway, the, the trial, they were really trying to hammer down getting him the death penalty. Right. They, that's, uh, no one wanted him to live another day. No. Which we can go and I have a lot of opinions on the death penalty, which Gacy deserved 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's all I'll say about that. But as a whole, it doesn't make sense. But so his defense first tried to, um, so they, when they 
started the trial, they ordered psyche valves instantly because they that takes so much longer. Right. So they wanted that before the trial truly started because it didn't start until basically a year after he was captured because um, you have so much that goes into oh, yeah. a trial. But <laughs> crazy enough, this trial only lasted I, less than a month. It was a month from February 6th to March 12th is when it ended. So I don't... Which is crazy because normally trials are... Takes so long. Drag on and, and especially on too, and on. like how long they're deliberated <laughs> it's crazy especially something like as powerful as the death penalty the fact that these people were so disgusted that it only took so little time is crazy but anyway so they did a cross-examination trying to blame schizophrenia mm-hmm. multiple personality disorder he wasn't in a great state of mind a lot they played a lot on his childhood yeah. and that's why his childhood is really important to who he is because they were also trying to say that the abuse of his dad caused him to be this way literally i mean is it the defense when you're protecting like fighting for the murderer yeah. so the defense his defense team was like really i mean you have to when you're they're legally bound they're to legally bound him. to try to find any single way possible i mean like rob kardashian protecting oj you know what i mean like they it's your job you have to do it but so they were trying those three things obviously schizophrenia wasn't very known at the time of like how it works but enough was known that it was like not schizophrenia um and then a debunking fun fact about um like multiple personality disorders is when you have multiple personalities even if you only had two like you had an alternate self and yourself you don't remember what happens when you're in your alternate state and that's where they were able to say no you don't have that because you're able to remember every single crime and how right. you did it he recalled so, all of it he, re- he was able to recall if he basically was like i don't recall anything and was able to be like deny 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 which he confessed if he was really thinking it through he shouldn't have confessed if he's trying to go for that murder but right. i mean he no one knows about that really well so like obviously but so they yeah so then the trial they had 60 witnesses six of them were psychologists basically saying that oh what was it that where oh there was like a good quote like of what they said but essentially what they said that they found Gacy to be mentally imp- or they were trying to say that they were um he was mentally prepared and further testified that he is um consequently unable to understand the nature of his actions and therefore should not be held or should be had because they were trying to then change it to sending him to a mental asylum right to the point where the all six of them were like this man was cohesive like cohesive how was it coherent yeah he was so coherent that he knew exactly what he was doing. Oh, yeah. There's no way this man is any kind of mentally disabled. No, he's 100%. He, he has no mental disability. This man knew what he was doing. And, and that's what, like, is crazy is that, like, even all psychologists were like, this man is the most coherent man I've ever talked to. He knows what he did wrong. Well, and that harkens back to what I talked about is when he was in his adult life. Like, he yeah. fucking was successful. He was how successful. can we say that that... How can we say that he was... How could, uh, like... Not that you can't, because, I mean, schizophrenia, if you've ever watched Beautiful Minds, that scientist was able to live with it. But even that man, his son wasn't and had been in the hospital most of all his life. Yeah. So just because you have a mental disability does not mean you can't be successful. But with what they were trying to fight for to get him off wasn't something you can really have fully when you 
are so successful. Right. But it's just a it's just a it's just a ploy to try to get out of it. Of course. Of course, my, like any kind of mental health issue, you can still be the most successful person in the world. But in Gacy's case, it was a definite not. And no, also, too, I think they were just trying to push that. Yeah, and that also the too, only thing. especially too, because I feel like if he had any of those two schizophrenia or multiple personalities, it would have been noticeable in the community, and someone would have mentioned it. Right. But no one did. No. Obviously. No. So. The only thing that I could think of yeah. that goes into that was his clown personality. His clown personality, but the thing is, most of the time when he was clown, he was still, like, joshing and drinking with the boys. Well, and even so. the clown thing, like, it doesn't seem like it was... he. The clown thing was only prevalent in this because he would use that as, like, a, oh, yeah, I'm a clown. I know these magic tricks. Like, the clown stuff really doesn't have anything to do with John Wayne Gacy. No. The villain... Besides the fact that it was just a part of his life. It was a part of his life and it kind of made him a staple. Yeah. Especially because like later and when he's incarcerated, I'll talk about that. It's pretty interesting. But so long story short, trial was really short. The poor kid that got away, luckily he was able to get away and live his best life. But yeah. he literally threw up on the sands because he couldn't handle it. And I think they deliberated like, what was it? I think five hours. Which is... Insane. insane because most of the time when you're deliberating especially taking his life it would go for no wait even better they deliberated for two hours right so like especially like in a crime like this it mostly takes like about 24 hours 48 hours because basically you're stuck in that deliberation room until you figure it out right. you don't want any like opinions because you're a jury you have to be non-biased two hours it took them to say yeah let's kill this fucker well and i kind of i kind of think too that it was because of how impactful like that's something that i didn't do any research on i don't know if you did either but mm-hmm. like there was pictures of them like hundreds of people around gacy's house like wondering if their kid was in there like this was making papers this was making headline news it, i think it was this, so impactful to i the, was reading a little about it to like but like even to this day chicago still talks about it like it yeah. happened yesterday it was so harmful on this community that this monster took so many lives of these young men and destroyed their mental health for the ones that got away that like to this day like i mean i'll bring it up to my dad and he's like oh yeah oh. he's like because like i mean my dad was i think because he was born in 68 so he was fairly young when... 12 or 13 so basically the age of when he would have been the victim if he yeah. lived in chicago kind of thing especially because like yeah anyways but yeah, so it only took them two hours to decide that he was sentenced to death. Sentenced to death, and I don't remember exactly what county it was, but so then the thing that like baffles me is then he lived for fourteen more years yeah. before he got executed. Ninety four, right? Nine, yeah, ninety four, and we'll just we'll get into more like the like our opinions, more interesting things, but just so that way we can wrap up John Wayne's story is more of like so on may 10th 1994 his last meal at 12 58 a.m he got 12 i don't know why it's specifically numbered but 12 deep fried shrimp a bucket of kfc chicken french fries and a pound of strawberries i want to know if the 12 is symbolic to anything i wonder or if it was just like or maybe it's like, you a know, you just a dozen, it's just easy. Yeah. So, like, you just order a dozen. But his famous last words. So, like, you know, obviously he got, I think he got euthanized, wasn't it? 
I'm actually not sure. Oh, lethal injection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. May. Oh, maybe it was. Oh, May 10th is when he had his last meal. May 19th is when he. Um, when they. When they. Lethal. Him. Yeah, and even up until his last breath, he was still proclaiming innocence. But when they say any last words before we inject you, that he literally said, "Kiss my ass." What a asshole. That's crazy. To the point where even on death row for the murder of 33 kids, he was still like, fuck you guys, I'm innocent, kiss yeah. my ass. What he did. I think that goes back to what I said, though. I think in, in his head, maybe he did have, like, I don't know. That's the crazy thing about this, right? Because we hear all the information that we have about the victims and how things happened were mm-hmm. from Gacy. Like, he had to be the one that told, like, the story. a lot of the stuff. Yeah. And, like, it's just crazy to me to think that, did he really, in his mind, think that what he was doing is okay because he maybe associated these kids with being... Delinquents? Delinquents? Like, well, another thing is he would also target kids that are a lot like him as a kid. Right. And I think because he was so ingrained that he was this awful human being that he kind of was, like taking it out on people he thought were kind of similar to him in a sense. So I think it was easy to justify it because he was like, well, my dad told me I was a piece of shit and gay boy my whole life. So are these, these whores, you know, like calling them male prostitute hookers and liars, thieves. And and it's like, first of all, you withheld paychecks. You're a thief. Second of all, you went out and found some of these, no, I don't think, I think there was only one that was a prostitute because he picked him up at a gay bar. That's when it, at the John Wayne Gacy movie, that was the most impressive thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it baffled me. Don't watch the Gacy movie. Not because it's graphic, because it is not correct at all to what happened in the Gacy story. Also, it makes no sense because it basically starts off with, like, his wife being, like, um, like, just, like, disgusted with him and, like... Oh, we totally forgot, too, that he had some of these men as roommates. Yeah. That was another crazy thing. That's not really as big because those ones, I think he had two. I think one got away and one didn't. Yeah. But it's also really hard to tell, like, how it all happened because there's just so much information. And, like, to make, like, a good storyline on it is, like, a good three hours of, like, exactly what happened. So there's no way, like, a good way to, like, go through each and every single one to do them justice. But... Also, a good source of information, the Chicago Tribune literally updates on Gacy still. That's why I know it's still impacting because literally, that's how I found a lot of good articles, is the Chicago Tribune is still, like, passionate about telling what happened. Is like, they're like, this is so awful in our community, like... You know what has gotten to be a really good resource outside, this is not, I mean, it's prevalent to how I did my research. Mm Wikipedia is better than it used to be. Yeah, I think they're starting to fact check it a little bit more because yeah. you mean you can still edit it. So unless some little asshole like so wh- changed it, but so what I was doing is I was using Wikipedia as like mm-hmm. a give me the idea, and then I would like for example one of the murders or whatever. Yeah, they would bring it up in the Wikipedia article, and then I would cross examine it on like a oh, site that's, that's dedicated smart. to it. Wikipedia, I didn't. There was only like two things that were wrong based off of just a date and an age. Okay. Everything else Wikipedia had correct. Oh. So I don't know if they're just stepping their game up or what, but. Well, and also, too, this kind of goes into, like, more of, like, our interesting facts is, like, how, like, 
like fanboys people are about these serial killers yeah. and so i wouldn't be surprised if there's literally someone out there that's like correcting it and making sure it's correct because they're such fanatics and it's serial killer culture really is very interesting. interesting it's interesting i mean there's an extent and i think every person has their limit as to what's okay in the serial killer culture like there's this youtuber who's basically like unless you're only talking about them and it's like as they're sickos and it, like i can't really gauge her dealings on it i get i agree with her on the the whole like romanticizing care serial killers but right. she's very much against like no merchandise don't don't print out their faces anymore let's try to like hide them, them yeah. like kind of like that thing but then there's some people that are like they romanticize they, ro- they romanticize but not even like romanticize like oh i wish i was able like a lot of like especially women and like this is like a big thing with like the columbine killers is a lot of women um what is it? The savior complex in women that's like, oh, if I would have known them when they were a teenager, I could have saved them and prevented this horrific event. Right. Especially with, I think, what was it? Is it Dylan the one that wasn't involved? Eric was the one that basically led him? I'll be honest with you. I don't know a lot about Columbine. I don't remember. But anyways, the one that really didn't even shoot a gun, everyone, like, a lot of, like, in the, like, weird parts of the internet, like, women just flock and, like, was like, I wish I could have saved him so he wouldn't have been involved and he could have, like, had... We could have had kids and then this. And it's like, you're kind of... You're creating, like, a whole, like... what Like, a dynamic that's, like, that's... First of all, go save someone else right now that's going through that. That's, there's people every day. Well, on but, t- like, on... that's that's to the point where it's... I, I think that's too far. Yeah. But, like, I think owning, like, a T-shirt that had, like, a mugshot of, like like a killer i really wouldn't i don't think that's like okay but i don't shun anybody for it no because it's like i think it I it's think, a little tacky but i think where i draw the line is where the money's going because if i'm buying yeah. let's say i want to go buy a john wayne gacy mugshot or a killer clown t-shirt or something like that mm-hmm. if it's going to someone who's profiting off of his john wayne gacy mm-hmm. and his, all of his victims that's not okay. But Ooh. if it's an organization that is taking the money and trying to give back to the community or to or, the families or whatever it might be, then I'm okay with it. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's very rare. Yeah. And it's mostly like not the thing, but... Right. Uh, and that's why I mostly won't. Going off of serial killer culture, there's a movie called, or documentary called Serial Killer Culture. And they have, it's on Prime. If I find any cool movies. So Gacy's on Prime, Serial Killer Culture documentaries on Prime. Unfortunately, it was on Netflix that took it down. But um, it basically starts off, it's it's a documentary about people who are obsessed with serial killers. Yeah. And they're, it's like almost like two where like you're watching it and you're like, I don't know if like this could be okay. But like some of them is like, there was one, there's like a duo that like made a, it's like a band. They're a band and they make songs about oh, serial yeah, killers. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with that because you're making fun of the serial killers and putting them down. Yeah. Like they what are the um I mean even Sufon Stevens has that John yeah, Gacy yeah. song and that song is it's, a, it it's rough. If you want to listen to like a song that just gives you chills and makes you visibly uncomfortable, listen to John Wayne Gacy by Sufon Stevens. It made me uncomfortable. It, yeah, don't listen to it out loud yeah. unless you want people to judge you for your music choice. But it's really interesting right. how he he just does like a weird thing with that song, and it was very interesting. But um, with that thing, um, 
a guy, he, they never really said their names, but there was the gentle, oh wait, also the, the movie's by John Borowski, but, so this guy, he was, um, as a kid, he'd watch serial killers, or like watch movies, and kind of when, he was like, I don't know where he lived exactly, but he was close enough to Illinois that he could like go there over like a weekend, and come home same day kind of thing, um, he kind of got into like memorabilia, horror memorabilia, and his justification of why he started to get into um, serial killer memorabilia is because he was trying to make money to buy more horror movie posters. <laughs> is dead ass what he I can, said. I, I get that. Because <laughs> he, um, I don't know how he came across it, but he came across, because when um, John Mangese went to jail, they like kind of gave him an outlet to paint and to sell his paintings and it was very sporadic because who wants that, especially in that area? No one wants anything to do with Casey. It's taboo. Um, and even they had, like, a bonfire where they burned all of his paintings the day he died. Because, like, people would just buy them just to burn them. Because... Well, wasn't there some, though, selling for a fuck ton of money? And people, st- I think there's still some that exist, right? Oh, no, there's still some that exist, but the... There was two gentlemen that tried to buy the most of them. Right. But there were still so many floating because of this guy right here. Okay, so... This guy, he found his paintings. I don't know how he came across them or if he just bought one. But he messaged or, like, let, wrote a letter to Gacy. And, like, he, and, okay, that's what makes me sad about the death row thing is John Wayne Gacy had his own letterhead. Yeah. When he would write letter to people, he had a letterhead. Fancy one. Like, who do, what, what privilege do they deserve? Side thing on this is if you look up death row inmates... They don't live what you would want them to live. You don't, they don't get, he did not get, for, he should not have deserved 14 years of a good life. I, I watched a documentary, this was a while ago, I don't remember what it was, mm-hmm. but it was on death row inmates. Does the prison that they were at that had the death row section, mm-hmm. um, they showed it like they have TVs, they have all these things they can tinker with. John Wayne Gacy had paint and paintings. Like, yeah. They have outlets to... To keep from being bored, and essentially. In my humble opinion, I think it should be more of like, you get fed and you sit. You because, sit, or they do manual labor to give back to the community. Yeah, depending on how extreme of a case it is. I mean, usually it's, pretty, it's fairly extreme to get on death, death row. row. I don't think that they should be living a better life than some who are out trying to, who are suffering trying to be good people. Yeah, like especially people who are working minimum wage jobs and breaking their necks, yeah. trying to like make their next paycheck so they can pay rent. Right. And John Wayne Gacy was living 14 years better than I'm even living now. Excuse yeah. me. Right. But this guy, he messaged him and he was like, hey, can I come visit? I kind of am really interested in your paintings. And John Wayne Gacy is obviously like, yeah. Fuck yeah. And then, obviously, the the kid at the time was about 18, 19. Or maybe he was, like, 20. He looked really young. And he talked about how he would sit across from John Wayne Gacy. And, like, um, so he was buying his paintings. And at the time, it was about 30 to $60. Which, I mean, even now is, like, what, $120? Yeah, or probably 200? a little more than that, yeah. Yeah, like, well, he was just Like, 200. 2 to 800 I think, is what they They said. were selling at that point. But, like, now that would be, like, $2,000, $3,000 yeah. is what they were selling for. But even during this time period, he was still, like, making, like, 100 200 bucks of painting. Good-ass money. Good-ass money from these fucking random people around the world. Anyways. But... This guy visited him and he's like, I wanna, I want, I want, I'd love to have some of your paintings and I'd help you sell them. And he's like, okay. And then 
uh, Gacy would mail him out, but the warden stopped it because he was like, this is a business venture. So even in jail, this motherfucker was a businessman. Hustling. He was hustling, which is crazy because he could not do anything with that money except buy soda and candy bars. Yeah. He did not deserve soda and candy bars. No. But anyway, so the warden stopped it basically because it was considered a business adventure, which is just fucking crazy, this man. But what he could do, though, is this kid would come like once a month or once every once in a while, and he can, Gacy can give him as a gift. Yeah. And then he can go and sell them. And that's what started this guy in particular into getting into um, serial killer memorabilia. Because then he went to other people like... Um, Richard Ramirez, and mm-hmm. was like, hey, man, if you make me a couple drawings, I'll sell them and give you some money. Yeah. And Richard Ramirez was like, hell yeah. For sure. And I don't even remember who the killer was, but he literally has, like, Polaroids of him with Gacy. Baffling. But <laughs> the funny thing is, is he would, um, he would like, well, Gacy loved when he visited him because he looked like a young boy, of obviously. Um, but he would fondle him jokingly and would try to pinch him. And he was like, there was one time where he tried to pinch his penis and was like, just playing. Gacy did that to him? Gacy did that to him. Oh because when he would God. visit, he wasn't like in handcuffs because, you know. Yeah. That's so old. haunting to me. But the fact that he would go back after being like kind of fondled by John Wayne Gacy. Dude, and this dude. guy had like a wife and kids. And his everyone in his like life was like, this is fucking weird what you're doing. And he was like. But money, and it's kind of interesting. And so this guy literally helped him. And my favorite is that John Wayne Gacy gave him an autograph of him as Pogo the Clown. And it said, to my best friend, I think his name is Mark, from Gacy, your favorite clown. Literally, he Oof. was like, uh, was just like, oh. And he has it in his house. And But, like, for him, he was saying he saw it as a novelty and basically grew it as a business and he was like he's like don't get me wrong if i died tomorrow and someone just sat my house on fire and all this shit got lost i could give a shit less it's just kind of interesting it's just a novelty it's almost like going collecting snow globes for this guy yeah it definitely i i see the appeal no i definitely understand too well it's like um because the thing is, if it wasn't in this guy's house, I would go see it at a museum. Exactly. That's, that's what where, I was going to say. That's where I feel like his makes, like, I don't, like, I don't shun him. Like, it's messed up. Because he was even saying, like, he's like, so what? I was giving John Wayne Gacy money. He could not spend all the money he got. So I think he, like, in the end probably gave it to his mom if he was still alive. Or, right. like, maybe one of his kids. I don't, I don't really know. Hopefully How it went somewhere one? good. Went somewhere good. Because I don't know what you do. He probably had a will, so anything he made in prison went to whoever was in his will, which I would assume at that point, if his mom was dead, it would be his kids. Right. If he even gave a shit. I don't know. Because he never saw them. No, he never talked about it that I could find. He never really talked. He never mentioned the fact that he had kids, but he probably honestly just didn't want his kids known in the world. Yeah. Which, you know how, like, sons look a lot like their dads? I wonder, like, if his son looked like his dad. I don't know. I hope that... I'd hope that not. I just hope that his kids, wherever they are have been able to live a normal life without... Being known as Gacy's kids. Yeah. Well, honestly, too, because um, his first wife just got the fuck out of... <laughs> Springville. So they honestly, especially during that time, um, and especially since he had a daughter and a son, I mean, that last name, Gacy, isn't as popular, but I don't know what his son... They don't never... I, 
I know if I looked it up, I can find the kids' names. I just didn't. There's no reason to look up your ser- the serial killer's kids because that is not. It just draws attention. It to just them. It draws attention to them, and they don't need. They don't deserve that attention because that's the sin of the father, not sin of the child. Yes. In a sense, I don't believe in religion, but I like that because it's not the kid's fault. Like um, Rose Bundy. Yeah. She changed her name. No one knows who she is. Right. They'll never know yeah. unless she came out. And I would assume the only re- and like most of the time, and that's why too. There's like this investigation show that kind of pisses me off, and it's like. Um, what is it even called? But it's basically like this woman who's she's the daughter of the Craigslist killer. Yeah. And it's about bringing in killers' family members to apologize to the victim's family. And I don't know about you, but as if I had that situation happen to me, and John Wayne Gacy's sister was like, "Can I apologize to you?" I'd be like. I don't fucking know you. You obviously didn't know your brother. There's no reason for us to talk because yeah. it's also your brother, not you. So it just you, feels like a ploy to make, make money. money. It, it really is. That's what it 100% is. And that's why, like, I like too, if someone, like, asked me if they could apologize for their, for their family member, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Right. The, you're not the person that needs no. to apologize because that's not on you. No. You don't, you don't, don't know. feel obligated either. Yeah, like, I don't. Like, I don't. So that's why, like, the guilt part kind of confuses me sometimes, because I'm like, why should you feel guilty because, like... Someone else did something awful. Yeah, like, because I know, well, that is where it becomes more of, like, they don't feel like a victim, but they feel like they should have known better, because I get that, because um, Ted Bundy's first girlfriend wrote a book of, like, how she kind of wished she knew basically what the crazily wicked, whatever, the Zac Efron movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. based off of... I don't remember names really well, no. <laughs> but um, kind of like how she wrote a book of like how she's like, I wish I was able to sign- see the signs, but like when someone's that sick and twisted and is able to live in society unhidden for so long, it makes sense that even family members wouldn't know. Because right. if honestly, if I started seeing something in a friend, I would either distance myself to the point where I won't know because I don't want to be a victim or I don't want to, you know, die, or I don't, I, like, almost like, you know, ignorance is bliss in a way. Yeah. But, unless I, like, saw, like, someone murder, then I'll be like, okay, hey, <laughs> right. cops, it's this guy. We've been friends since elementary school. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's my best friend. Get her. You know, <laughs> like, kind of thing. But, that was, like, one of the interesting things about, like, serial killer culture, which I think we can do a whole podcast oh, yeah. on. Oh, yeah, serial killer culture is interesting. Very interesting. So one thing that we wanted to do, and I think that we can structure this a little different next time to fit this in so yes. it's not near the end, but we wanted to bring a different element to, like, a crime podcast being non-mainstream facts that are just interesting about the situation. Yeah. And yours was this guy who was kind of the – memorabilia like memorabilia guy that was able to help distribute all of his paintings yeah also fun fact about his paintings this is how much of a businessman he is he would get 10 canvases line them up start with red paint all the red oh yeah blue go with the blue he knew and that just goes to how fucking brilliant gacy really was smart for his own and scary brilliant is what i mean scary scary man because he got like keep in mind he got away with all of this shit with only having to serve 18 months in prison before his final capture. Yeah. Like, he was doing evil things for years. Yeah, and honestly, if he didn't have his heater on, he probably would have gotten away a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, another interesting fact that I kind of learned is that they were very suspicious of him killing himself. They thought because um, 
before he went to like his lawyers, he was starting to visit like close friends and neighbors yeah. and was like basically saying like I gotta go, I'm gonna be leaving soon. Then he went to like his lawyers and was like then captured. But like they had like a lot of people were suspicious of like him planning on killing himself because he didn't want to get captured. Right. I don't think he was remorseful by any means. I think it was more he just didn't want to be captured yeah. and then be tarnished in his reputation. Right. Um, I have a couple interesting non-mainstream facts, which we pretty much covered most of them. Yeah. The fact that Gacy had a successful business, which was raking in annual revenue of $200,000 in that time period, Fuck which God. now would be probably seven figures um, or something like that. Then also... Um, one of them was the fact that they tried to put, say he had schizophrenia, which Holly covered, and the jury was like, yeah, psych, it doesn't matter, he's going to jail. Yeah. The one thing, though, the one interesting fact that I kept from saying earlier, which I guess I could have just said, that pissed me off, is during the surveillance time period where yeah. these guys, where these detectives and investigators were following him, um, Gacy invited um, them into a restaurant for a meal. Right, and this was in the early hours of December eighteenth, so right in that time period, like right of, before he was like, Kill. yeah, like there was what just like four days later he confessed. He invited them to a restaurant over breakfast where he talked of his business, his marriages, and his activities as a registered clown. And at one point during the conversation, Gacy remarked, and this is a direct quote: "You know, clowns can get away with murder." Oh, that would, oh, if someone, like, if I was investigating someone and they taunted me like that. Oh, I'd put that guy through a fucking wall. That's where not, that's where like, not, I don't, I think, you know, do you, you know, we don't have to get into politics, but that's the case where police brutality should have been inve- involved because he should have been, if someone, if I was investigating someone, even if I was talking to someone and they said something like, Oh, they did something, like, if they did something morally wrong, and I was like, oh, that's kind of fucked up, and they were like, what are you talking about? I can do whatever I want, or, like, kind of like that cocky attitude, I'd probably, I'd, I'd want to death them the fuck no, out. No, for sure. Especially, like, you know, clowns can get away with murder, and they're trying to find a missing boy that they're pretty sure was murdered. Right. He's an infuriating man because <laughs> the fact that he's so smart and had so much money and had all the resources and he could have just been like, you know, a good person. I think every serial killer is way smarter. I I don't I can't think of one off the top of my head that was dumb. Because it's so Um, the the hitchhiker girl, the um Elaine something. Yeah. She was actually no. She was she was cuckoo in the head because she was, and we'll get into her later, but she was the only one that I could think of that was kind of, like, stupid. Right. But hers was also, if you look at, like, her murders, they were more chaotic. Not right. really. They weren't planned like this, Dahmer's or Brundy's or, like, right. um, Mer- 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 Richard Mer... Richard Ramirez, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm trying to think of like, I'm combining so many names <laughs> that I'm like, fuck, I can't think. So how about for a closing? Because we, I think we've shared most of our opinions on everything yeah, throughout talking about, about it. it. And and we, I, we just want to thank you guys for sitting for this first episode. We know yeah. it's not the most structured true crime one. We're starting to work on it, you know? First episode, that's why it's called the pilot episode. I mean, I try to stay pretty humble, but I think we did a very good job for our first episode trying to do something with a structured backbone and following yeah. point. So I think we did a great job. Yeah, um, but future-wise, we kind of want to get more into a simpler um, 
personality and kind of going more over like the interesting things like how this gentleman sells his paintings. Like we want to get more into like those kind of things because yes. those are the most fascinating because no one really talks about those. No. Like no one really talks about the fact that John Wayne Gacy made so much money in prison by selling his artwork and people just allowed him to do it because he, you know, he, he has like rights yeah. still as a human being, which is disgusting that a man who kills 33 young boys is still deserving of rights. Yeah. At what point do we draw the line? Yeah, but anyways, that's so political. let's talk. What's next? Because we what's next <laughs> both of us kind of left it like we have ideas of topics that we want to cover yes. going into the future. We're planning as of right now to do every two weeks. That yeah. gives us ample time to research and not be burnt out and mm -hmm. recover from this episode and be able to move on to the next one. Because yeah. to be honest with you, taking in this much crazy information also could be harmful to us. It's it's very it's, it's super dark. Like yeah. watching the documentaries, even watching the man talk was just like I like I literally these last three days have felt very angry yeah. just in general because it's like you just realize how fucked up the world is in a sense but so I, we're gonna keep about two weeks we'll do some fun ones where it's not like about we're not gonna focus on serial killers it's true crime that's yeah, everything we'll it's everything cover a lot of things and so we'll be covering tons of things and that brings me into my exciting project that I've been working on for you guys so um, by the next episode, we're going to have a full working website. We'll have where our researchers are coming from. I'll be linking like cool YouTube videos if you guys are interested. Um, just sources, pictures, um, things like that. So we'll have like an official website kind of right. to do that. And then also too, we have an email address that you can even email now. So um, if you have any suggestions, concerns, you just want to talk. Fact checks. Fact checks. Um, um, I'll be more monitoring this, but it'll be the our email address, which is going to be true or no wait, true crime drunks at gmail.com. So, and then our website's going to be true crime drunks.com, which mm -hmm. isn't up and running yet. We'll have it next episode. Yes. When we talk about the 11 year old serial killer, Mary Bell. This is an interesting one for me yeah. because I didn't know, I don't even know who she was until you brought it to my attention. I've never heard her. Yeah. I don't know any media about it. So it's exciting for me. It's really interesting. Going in completely blind. The 11 year old serial killer. So we're going to, we're going to keep it to like mainstream, non-mainstream, some conspiracy. We're going to maybe even get to some gangsters, yeah. but look forward to next week when we do Mary Bell. The two 11, weeks from now. Two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. Which is... I don't know time. <laughs> I don't know dates. You did the the. the mm -hmm. oh, my glasses were falling. So that'll be on the July fourth. Can we make that work? We should be able to make that work. I don't. I don't like. Anyways, uh, but we can figure it out. We'll let you know um, once the website's up and running. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. I have uh, it's more of like a book Instagram and horror movie related. So I'm not talking a ton just because we're not sure if we want to make a whole Instagram for the podcast. Right. If that's something you guys are interested in, kind of like how Wes does with the top shelfers Instagram, top shelfers Instagram, kind of doing like those fun little things. We can definitely do that too. Just kind of email us, message us. But my Instagram, if you guys are interested, is books, coffee, bees. I'm probably going to change it to something simpler. Not to, future. not to toot anyone's horns or anything, 
but her Instagram is quality. It's and aesthetically I, pleasing. A, as someone who I don't really get involved in social media, I am excited when I see her on my feed because I'm like, I enjoy horror, I enjoy books. mystery books and stuff, and she always has, like, your lighthouse one that you just had. Yeah. I didn't even know they made a vinyl for it, but it looks fucking dope. Yeah, it's a limited edition smoky one. I have fun vinyls, I have a lot of fun stuff. Not trying to boost me up here, but I'll be posting more on there when we're starting to, like, I'll be, like, giving updates on my research. I'll be doing more fun things kind of related to the podcast, but it is more of a personal one. But if you want to reach out to me, like, to get, like, to tell me something, that's kind of a good way. The email is probably the best because we'll probably have, like, an episode where we go through people's emails. Right. But Wes had a really fun idea that we'll probably start the next episode is the... The Discord? Yes. So if you guys are familiar with Discord, um, it allows for you to pretty much create your own server, um, which then you can build a community through, and it has different tabs, and there will be a True Crime Drunks tab where Holly and I will be on it. Um, I have my Discord set up to notify Mm -hmm. me whenever that is. So if you are watching us live and you want to converse with us after the podcast. We'll do like an hour long conversing where we'll both be on our computer messaging you guys back. I might even jump in there like in a chat channel if you want to talk to me directly. If you're watching the live stream and you're frustrated that we're not commenting back, that would be the outlet where you can go and get in Get involved in in the conversation. We can continue the conversation mostly. It's just hard when you're trying to talk about such a heavy subject and such a detail-oriented one to get distracted by comments. And we love your guys' comments. So if you could comment on the other ones, please do because it makes the podcast so much more fun. Absolutely. This one is just a little bit harder to have that fun interaction because then otherwise this podcast would be five hours long because there's no way we can go through it. Right. We want to keep it it short enough to keep people entertained throughout the whole thing, give enough information, and really get our point across where – with other top shelfers stuff, you're more used to the free flow type of thing. And this is going to be a more structured, serious, but also, of course, we're going to have our silly banter and, yes. you know, different things along And expect lines. a very tasteful joke in the beginning of every episode because, every episode. listen, if I would, li- I love true crime podcasts. I listen to them pretty frequently. I would listen to them 10 times more if there was tasteless jokes in each one of them. Every single one. That's why there's... Um, the one, the four guys, the last podcast on the left, they're super funny. That's why I like yes. them the most because they have that fun, tasteless joke. It breaks up the dark. It breaks up the dark. Yeah. So expect that because. Oh, and if you're like so me, good. one thing to nor- not normalize, but one thing to make me more comfortable with things mm-hmm. is taste tasteless jokes. Tasteless like, jokes are so funny. Like, it it kind of softens the blow of what's really happening. Yeah. It really helps lighten the mood before we kind of darken it but hopefully by the, like giving our opinions and our fun facts it'll help keep the podcast light enough so it's not super dark and yeah scary because there's some pod true crime ones where i'm just like fuck oh. you just get done with I it just, and you're like, like oh i need to go to bed you're like i'm so <laughs> oh world sucks but that's why i think our true crime podcast is going to stand out a little bit more because it's a little bit more fun light it's not terribly or not super structurally sound and solid like it's a formula every time but we're gonna have like definitely more structure but it's definitely still gonna be light and airy Mm -hmm. it's not just gonna be informative which is great i love those kind of podcasts absolutely but i love i wish i'd hear more about the things you don't hear about like that guy who sells gacy paintings and like 
are direct quotes from these serial killers that yeah, and just make you go, what him. the fuck? You yeah, know? literally. I still cannot believe he had the balls to be like, you know, clowns get away with murder. Like, Jesus. Oh, come on, man. Still so upset. But, yes, expect more to come. We'll yep. see you guys in two weeks, July 4th. And what's and the the eleven year old serial killer's name again? Mary Bell. Mary and Bell. Email us at truecrimedrunks at gmail. Website should be up by the time Mary Bell is. So then, if you want to review some of the Gacy stuff, if we were a little too fast or not enough on one thing, I'm basically planning on trying to do like a good like article each each person or event we do because right. we're, we're not just doing people. We're gonna be even doing like cults. Yes. Things like we're going to be doing anything you think of true crime, we'll get there. Yes. Eventually. And if you, anything, all the other social medias are going to be linked for top shelfers related things, the websites and everything will be linked in whatever description mm-hmm. you're on. So if you're on iTunes, it'll be there. Spotify. Spotify. Shout out to iHeartRadio. I'm glad you're finally listening and on board. Yes. You know, YouTube, everything where you typically know where to find your descriptions and your links, mm-hmm. it'll be there. Yep. So. Till next time. Enjoy the rest of your evening and thank you for spending it with us. Thank you. Have a good night. Boy.